And I want to talk to you a little bit about water baptism today because it has kind of got a bum rap in the United States because a lot of people say, ah, if you want to do it, if you don't, whatever. But I want to talk about what Jesus said and what the apostles said and that the early church talked about the emphasis on a water baptism. And so my title today is Be Baptized, Every One of You. And we're going to look at one of the commissions of Jesus Christ when uh, he said in Matthew 28, I'm going to ask you, Allie, if you can help me get to my next slide. There we go. And on the next slide, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to obey the things that Jesus Christ taught us. That's what he's saying, all the things that he taught us. So I want to talk about this today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your presence that is in your house today. And Lord, we pray as we talk about baptism and what it really meant, what Matt did publicly. I pray, Lord, that if there are some of us who have not been baptized, Lord, we would soften our hearts and not be ashamed, Lord God. Speak to us today, Lord, and let us have ears to hear what your Spirit would say in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 The first thing, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, was go out, make disciples, and baptize them. Baptize them. He was very emphatic on that. In fact, in Mark, it said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. And so the disciples, when they began the church on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, it says that 3,000 people got saved and 3,000 people were baptized that day. 3,000 saved, 3,000 baptized, Acts 2.41. Now, I'm all for big meetings. I, I was at a church one time, and there, under Reinhard Bonnke, they had a meeting of one million Africans. One million. They had a picture. It was amazing. A million people. And people got saved, and people got healed. But there was very little emphasis, and I'm not slamming Reinhard Bonnke because he's a man of God, but very little emphasis on water baptism. And Acts 2.41, when 3,000 people got saved, 3,000 people were water baptized. Very important that we don't take our culture and change this. But we make sure this dictates our culture, amen? And that's why Peter, when he got up on the day of Pentecost, he said two things, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repent and be baptized. And so that's what Jesus commanded, that's what Peter and the apostles commanded, and that's what we believe as a church, because when you do that, it demonstrates your heart is following Jesus in the waters of baptisms. Now, there are some reasons why some people don't get baptized, and let me just go through some of them. Some people are ignorant of it. They don't realize water baptism is supposed to be the first thing you do when you get saved. It is a physical sign that 
your heart invisibly is following Jesus Christ. Like my wedding ring here. I got a wedding, wedding ring here. This is a physical sign that I'm taken. I'm taken. I'm, I'm committed to a woman. It's a physical sign. And water baptism, and I wear it publicly. And as Matthew went down into the waters of baptism and he gave that wonderful testimony publicly, it was a physical sign publicly. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ because when Jesus comes back, I mean, oh, he's going to come back in a physical way. Every eye will see him. So, but some people say, ah, ignorance. I don't need to be baptized. You're not saved by works. Uh, and they say, I don't need to be baptized. I say, be careful. Be careful. Because once you get comfortable disobeying your Lord on one thing, I mean, oh, it's a slippery road. You just start disobeying him on other things. Another reason why some people don't get baptized is, is pride. They say, well, I got saved when I was a teenager and I never got around to being baptized and I don't want to go up in front of everybody. And Let me tell you something. A haughty spirit is before, uh, pride go up before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. One of the greatest keys to keeping the favor of God on your life is humbling yourself. Have a little humility. And uh, Matt demonstrated that humility. If you've never been baptized, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. He'll lift you up. And so it's important that we don't just have pride and another one is indifference. They just couldn't be bothered. Doesn't fit my schedule. Be careful because Jesus' second coming might not fit your schedule either. <laughs> they say you're truly saved when your salvation in Jesus Christ affects your pocketbook and your calendar. And when it doesn't touch your calendar because you're too busy, something's wrong. Something's wrong. It's, it changes our heart from the inside out. Another reason some people don't get baptized is because they just become hard-hearted. They become defiant. And Proverbs 4, 23, the wisest man that ever lived on the face of the earth, he said this, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. You know what that means? Everything that has happened in your life came out of your heart. Most people don't believe that, but Solomon said that. What does that mean? Anything that came out of your life first got in your ear and into your eye and down into your heart, and you either kicked it out of your heart and said, I won't take that, or you let it fester in your heart and it hardened your heart and it began to give you an indifference of being a little stubborn against, well, I believe some of this, but I don't believe all of this. And you're not guarding your heart. You have to guard your salvation in Jesus Christ by being a good steward of your heart. So let's, let's get into this. What is baptism? What is baptism? First of all, baptism is a public ceremony which a person who believes in the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is publicly immersed into the waters as proof of their faith. It doesn't really save you. It proves that you are saved. All right? This, this ring of mine isn't a marriage. <laughs> this isn't my marriage. This is proof that I'm married. 
I'm not ashamed of it. Same with water baptism. It doesn't really save you, but it's proof that you are saved. Very important. Now, some churches believe in, in sprinkling. Let's talk about that. And some people get mad at it, and some people don't. Listen, 300 years after the Bible was written, the canon of Scripture of the New Testament, uh, the church came up with a baptism of confirmation. And it's not in the Bible, but there's nothing wrong with it. Sprinkling is a baptism of confirmation whereby the parents bring the children in front of the minister, in front of the priest, and they sprinkle them, and they confirm out loud, we will do our job to bring our baby to the church and raise him in the faith. I mean, that's not bad, but that's not the baptism that Jesus talked about. But anything we can get to encourage parents to bring their children to church, I mean, that's a good thing. And so, we, you know, we don't knock that. We do something a little different here at Evangelical Christian Church. We do a baby dedication. So sometimes when people have babies, we bring the babies up and we, we say, Lord, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from you. You've given this beautiful baby. Now we dedicate them back to you and we pray for the parents, just kind of like the sprinkling of water. But water baptism is different. Water baptism, what John the Baptist did and what Jesus told us to do. It's when a person is old enough to mentally accept the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. And you believe it. It's not enough to believe he came from a virgin Mary, although that is important. It's not enough to believe that he died on the cross, though that is important. But if you don't believe he rose from the dead, everything else you believe is meaningless. The resurrection, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is the proof that we are saved, is the proof that our sins are forgiven, is the proof that we will have a new body as Jesus Christ did. And so it's important that we understand when we talk about baptism in the Bible, it's not the same as sprinkling. It is when a person is of the age in their mind that they know what Jesus did to obtain our salvation, and then they go public. Oh, I, I, I don't think I can give a testimony. Well, then you're not ready to, get, to be baptized. When you're ready to go before people and say, I'm not ashamed, this is my testimony, you're ready to be baptized. That's why some children can do it at nine. Some people have to wait till they're 12, 13, 15. Some people are a little bit older. It doesn't matter. But when you're ready, Jesus said, if you confess me before men... I will confess you before who? That's important. And this is one of the ways, you know, Matthew did that today. I confess Jesus before men. And it's important that we understand that. Now, John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 6, it says, They being baptized by him were in the river Jordan. And I want to talk to you about this baptism. Being baptized... The river's not brought to you. You go to the river. <laughs> we, don't, we don't bring the baptism tank to the Gambardella home. <laughs> He's got to come here. You, the point is, you've got to make an effort. You've got to make an effort to be baptized. And you go down into the waters just like Jesus did. In fact, it says in the next scripture, John 3.23, John was baptizing in the Anon near Salem. 
And if you keep reading through that, it says that he was baptizing in a river where there was much water. Do you know why he went to where there was much water? So that baptism could be an immersion. You go all the way down and all the way up. And you say, well, what's that mean? Well, when we are baptized, we not only publicly profess our faith, but we identify with Jesus' death on the cross, his three-day burial, and his resurrection. So we go down into the waters of baptism as Jesus went down. I don't hold you for three days down there. I was tempted with my boys sometime. <laughs> no, just kidding. And then you come back up in the newness of life. There's a newness of life, but it's also prophetic of the future when we will receive new bodies. And I'm hoping and praying that it is in our age that we are raptured, that we are raptured and we get those. So it's a beautiful spiritual truth. It's a picture of our spiritual salvation. And the Bible says in Matthew 3, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And then John allowed him. Now, you might not know what this means, but it's important that I describe it a little bit and go into the history of water baptism. Water baptism didn't start in the New Testament. If you were in the Old Testament and you were a Gentile and you wanted to become a Jew and you said the Jews really have the living God, the Lord, He is the creator of heaven and earth. I am a Gentile. I want to be a part of Judaism and worship the living God. If that is what you had to do, you had to go through a three-part ceremony with the priests in Judaism. And so the first thing that you would do is you would have to fulfill the Old Testament sign, physical sign of salvation. Does anyone know what it was? Circumcision for the men. So if you wanted to be a Jew in the Old Testament, you had to be circumcised. It was the physical sign of the Old Covenant. It was so important that the Lord almost killed Moses before Moses fulfilled his call because he could not stand up to his wife and have his two children, his two boys, circumcised. So you would have to first come and you'd have to be circumcised. And then when you were circumcised, the second thing you would have to do is you would have to be water baptized. Because the Jews understand, they still practice it sometimes today, if you ever watch them, Jewish movies and, and marriages, it, it's a cleansing. The Jews know the water is a cleansing. So you would be, go down under the water and be cleansed of the old life, the Gentile life of all its lusts and all its you know, idolatry and everything else, and you're going to bury that, and then you would come up in the newness of life as a practicing Jew in the living God, Jehovah. So that was the second thing you would do. But then there was a third thing you had to do as a proselyte, Gentile, to become a Jew. You would have to go to the temple and bring a sacrifice to be slaughtered for the forgiveness of your sin. 
without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So you would have to do that, and the, the Jewish priest would say, no, by you sacrificing this lamb, you are publicly declaring faith in the coming Messiah who will take away all our sins. So you with me? So that's what water baptism was in the Old Testament for a Gentile. Now John the Baptist comes and he says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Even you Jews. What was he calling the Jews? You're just as sinful as the Gentiles. <gasps> That's offensive. That's offensive. Because the Jew, the male Jew would sometimes say, this is one of the reasons why God kicked them out of Israel. I thank God I wasn't born a dog, I wasn't born a woman, and I wasn't born a Gentile. That's what an Old Testament Jew would say. And God says, I set you as a light to reach the Gentiles, and instead of reaching the Gentiles, you guys have racism, prejudice in your heart. So I'll use the Gentiles to reach the Gentiles. So when John the Baptist comes and says, you know what? You Jews are no better than the Gentiles. You're out of covenant. You're sinners. You need to be baptized. How many know when the Jews started being baptized, you knew God was doing something? You're out of covenant. You're just as sinful as the Gentiles. Just because God is your God, you're not serving Him. You're still living in hypocrisy. And then Jesus comes on the scene and He says, John, baptize me. And John goes, what? You, you're not a Gentile. You, you have no sin. You, your, your blood is pure. Why in the world do you want me to baptize you? And Jesus said one thing that most people goes right over their head. Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for, all, for us to fulfill what? Question. If Jesus Christ had to be baptized for us, to fulfill all righteousness. Can you fulfill all righteousness in your life without being water baptized? Are you better than Jesus? Most people forget that. The, some people say, well, Jesus was baptized because he wanted to identify with us. Well, okay, yeah, that's, that, that's one reason. Jesus was baptized because he wanted to be an example for us. Okay, yeah, all right, I can buy that too. But Jesus said, I have to fulfill all righteousness and I can only do that by being what? And then you have some Christians saying, I believe in Jesus, but I refuse to be baptized. What are you really refusing? Righteousness. Now let me tell you what salvation is. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and Jews and Gentiles. You have no access to God the Father because you have no righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Then Jesus comes along, lives a sinless, perfect light, life, dies on the cross, pure blood, covers all sin of the whole world, whether people receive him or not. It's the forgiveness of all sin of all worlds. And then 
He goes to God and God says, you know what? I accept your blood sacrifice, my son Jesus. You have a perfect righteousness and those that are trusting you by faith, they will have the same righteousness that you have in Christ. You with it? So being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ in Christ. Justification is another similar word to like righteousness. We are righteous before God because of Christ. And then you have people say, yeah, but I'm not going to do what Jesus did and fulfill all righteousness and be water baptized. What are you saying? It's dangerous. God help us. Help us not to think that we don't need to do and fulfill righteousness what Jesus did. So what did Jesus do to get baptized? To fulfill, why did he get baptized? Say it with me. To fulfill all righteousness. Why must we be baptized? To fulfill all righteousness. It's so important that we grasp this and understand, God help us to walk in that, amen? It's the standard of righteousness. Do you remember in the Old Testament, or in the book of Acts, when Cornelius, the first Roman, the first Gentile was saved, I think it's in Acts 10, and he was praying and an angel showed up and the angel said, Cornelius, I've been sent from God and you're doing two things to be heard. You have a righteousness, two things to be heard. Your prayers are heard and your giving has come before God. These are two things, but I want to tell you something. These righteous things of praying and giving are not enough. So you need to go see this guy named Peter and he's going to preach to you the true righteousness. Now, is praying wrong? No. Is giving wrong? No. But if you think you're going to get to heaven by your prayers and your giving, you don't understand the righteousness of Christ. And so you know the story. He went there, and Peter preached to them. And all these Gentiles got saved. They got baptized in water, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit, which means the righteousness of God came upon them. God accepted it. And so he's really saying, you need this righteousness. Now, what is the relationship of baptism to our salvation? Water baptism is a new covenant symbol, physical. In the Old Testament, the physical symbol was circumcision. In the New Testament, it's water baptism. Circumcision is applied to a man. Water, water is applied to us. You with me? It, it's so important we understand that because God wants to save your body, not just your soul. Your body is important to God. He wants you to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, Romans 12, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship. God wants your bodies to be used in your salvation. And some people say, ah, it don't matter, it don't matter. No, it does matter. Very important. In fact, the Apostle Paul said water baptism is so important, you get your body identified with Christ, that he kind of made them all synonymous when he wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4, he said, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He just kind of just rolled off. It's all the same. One Jesus, 
One faith in Jesus, one baptism just keeps going down. And he was referring to water baptism. And that's why in the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. And how many got baptized? 3,000. 3,000. So let me wrap it up with this. When a believer goes into the water baptism, and it doesn't matter what age you are, what matters is that you're obedient. You are obedient. They are saying, this is what Matthew was basically saying, it is my pleasure to obey the command of my Lord and Savior, Jesus, to be what? Water baptized. I publicly declare my faith. I am not ashamed to identify with Christ in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. And then from this point on, some of the kids were doing well with them explaining water baptism. I will walk in the newness of life. It's newness. And obedience with him the rest of my life. When you get baptized, you do it in faith. And that's why I'm against rebaptism. I'm 100% against rebaptism. Well, pastor, I got saved at 13, and I lived for Christ till I was 16, and then I backslid, so I want to get baptized now that I'm 20. No, you don't need to be baptized again. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You just need to work out your faith. You don't need to be wet again, because the water has nothing to do with it. It's your faith going down into the baptisms. How many know if you go down in the waters of baptism and you have no faith, you're just getting dunked? <laughs> it does nothing for you. But it's your faith. And the same faith you had when you got baptized at 13, you may have backslidden for a few years. It's that same faith you start up. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So let me ask you today, have you been obedient in the waters of baptism? If not, why not? Why not? Would you not want to fulfill all righteousness as Christ said, baptize me so we can fulfill all righteousness to the glory of God, amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me, would you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that your Son, Jesus Christ, did fulfill all righteousness. And no, Lord, I pray that you would move maybe some who have never been baptized, Lord. Their heart is just wandering. Lord, soften their hearts. Bring them back to you, Lord God. Bring them back to you in a way that they would be obedient. And Lord, they would humble themselves before you that you would lift them up. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching from the Word of God. My name is Paul Height. I'm the pastor of Evangelical Christian Church located at 1325 Watertown Ave in Waterbury, Connecticut. We would love to have you join us and worship Jesus Christ this coming Sunday at 1030. Now may God bless you, and may he continue to cause you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of his Son, Jesus Christ.